Welcome to the Fish Nerds. It's a celebration of fish, fishing, and eating fish that is always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Taylor Miller of ICO's fishing team, and here are the nerds. <laughs> Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerd Podcast, and I am no fish expert. <laughs> I'm Paul, and I'm not a fish expert. I'm Donna, and I am not a fish expert either. Cool, and anything is fair game. It's a good bet that you're going to want to binge a new podcast after this show. Check out the Varmint Podcast everywhere podcasts are found. I'm so lucky because, I, I mean, I can't tell you how lucky I am. I'm, I have Paula and Paula. <laughs> I have Paul and Donna from the Varmints Podcast co-hosting. I have co-co-hosts tonight. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. And I, I got to tell you, I found you guys on one of the podcast Facebook groups about podcasting. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I made a comment, I think, and Paul commented back, and, I, and he mentioned your show. And I binged, I listened to every single episode of the Varmints Podcast. Uh, and I think I did it all in about three days' time. Because, oh, that's wow. neat. Thank you so much. Because, Thank you so much for that. Because you guys approach animals the same way I approach fish. And and the approach is this. I don't know enough stuff. That's your approach. You don't know enough stuff about animals. And right. so a few years ago, my friend Dave and I, my original co-host of this show, we went on a quest to catch and eat every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. And in that quest, we actually learned every single fish, one fish at a time. And we wrote about each single fish. So we became, some people think of us as fish experts. We are not. We just learned about fish one fish at a time. And you are learning about animals one animal at a time, which I love. Great concept. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I that came from just the fact of, like, I don't like listening to podcasts where the person who is the host of the podcast is the expert on something and they will tell you that they're the expert on something and they know everything. Those podcasts tend to be boring to me. They can be. Um, one of my, which one, one do you hate the, the most? Oh, I, I, I won't say that. <laughs> the one that I will say that, uh, was kind of an inspiration to me was stuff you should know. That's a great podcast. Those guys are yeah, fantastic. And, and those guys are not experts. No, they do the research and sometimes in the middle of a podcast, they'll have a little revelation or they'll change their mind on, on a, a, a preconceived idea that they had. And that's fun to listen to. That's a lot more fun to listen to than somebody who is just going to sit there and lecture you and teach you, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. That's one of my favorite podcasts, by the way. So the fact that you mentioned one of my faves, um, it's great. That means we're best friends. <laughs> I had somebody <laughs> compare us to stuff you should know one time, and it was like one of the best compliments I've ever gotten on my podcast. That's cool. I used to get the car talk comparison when Dave and I were hitting this hard in the early days. So it's always oh, I love a nice, car talk. Always a nice comparison to be compared to people who are kind of like heroes to you in a lot of ways. So absolutely, yeah, car talk is great. It's totally good. So Donna, you are newer to the show. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. So so did did Paul kill his original host co-host? Uh, the body has not surfaced, so I don't think there's any evidence. <laughs> Cannot confirm or deny this. No, <laughs> uh, I think that that's exactly what we're talking about here. So that's that's. I've got my eyes open. That's all I'll say. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what happened because it's a pretty <laughs> cool story. Yeah. Um. So my original co-host is a guy named Paul Wilk, and uh, he's a great guy. You had he's, two I Pauls. Still, 
Yeah, it was yeah, two guys you, named Paul who were two guys named Paul who were not animal experts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was he's still a friend of mine, and he helped shaped he helped shape the show mm-hmm. for the first fifteen or sixteen episodes. He, uh, he the episode the podcast is what it is in large part because of his contributions and his um, continuing to to encourage me to keep going with it. So I really appreciate all the help that he gave me. And he just got really busy with life. He's in grad school. He's got a kid on the way. He bought a house and something had to give. Yeah, and that's something was everything. the podcast. Kids, kids are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and I kind of knew it was coming and, and we had our little Skype call on Saturday morning, like we do. And he said, before we go any further, I got something to tell you. And I got that sinking feeling in my stomach, like, Oh, I know what's coming. And then, um, so I had about a half hour of sitting here wondering if I was going to continue with the podcast or not, because I really didn't know if I was going to have to just give it up or not. I was really kind of feeling a little bit down. So I, I decided that I wanted to keep going with the Varmints podcast, that it was something that I really enjoyed doing. So I got on our Slack channel, uh, Blazing Caribou Network. They've been so wonderful and supportive. And I, I got on there at 12 o'clock sharp. I sent a message out that said, Hey, my podcast uh, co-host just left. I need another co-host. Um, can somebody fill in? And I am not lying when I tell you that at 12.01, Donna sent me a message that said, I've been wanting to do this podcast from the beginning. Sign me up. And there it is. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> It's perfect. I was. I was that enthusiastic. I was, And I did not believe I was going to get picked either because I have such a high squeaky voice. And, you know, I've been trying to do a podcast for several years. And every project that I've done so far has has just not worked out for one reason or another. You know how it goes. You just, it's hard to find something that you're that really is sticky. And it uh, is. Yeah. So, I mean, I started in, I think, 2008. With a podcast called uh, Tyrannosaurus Regina. I love the um, name. W- which was a gaming girls well, panel of all my girlfriends who game. Um, so which is the majority. I, don't, I think I only have one or two girlfriends that, that aren't gamers. Um, and uh, and it was great, but life intervened. A couple of them had children, and and, and one, of, one of them had some other stuff happen, and it just died a premature death um, before we even really got started. And then then I had somebody mansplaining to me that Tyrannosaurus was too difficult to spell, so I needed to rename it, and I just got really... Did you say um, mansplaining? Yeah, you know. What is that? I mean, it's, that's when a guy tells a woman something that he thinks she should know in a sort of officious and superior manner, <sighs> like... Well, let me I, tell you, I, little girl, you're just not doing it right, or whatever. I do that. And then, and then I, I kind <laughs> of was talking to some other podcasters later, and they were like, it doesn't matter if Tyrannosaurus is hard to spell. They don't have to spell it. It'll just come up. They can spell it wrong, and Google will just tell them what they're looking for. That's so fair point. Ignore that mansplain. <laughs> and so I would have loved to have that show happen, but it just didn't for whatever reason. And then I just kind of for years was looking for another project to begin. And I tried a couple of different things on my own and just wasn't, you know, wasn't able to, to hit on something. And then when the Varmints show came to my network, which is Blazing Caribou, um, 
I was like, oh, I want to be on this show. Oh, they're not taking hosts. Darn it. Oh. So when Paul launched that little message of like, oh, we're looking for another co-host, I was like, me, 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 me. And I got it, and I couldn't believe it. I think How everybody, can I say no to that? I everybody on the network wanted to be on his show because it is so fun. So it's yeah, such, the, a, such a good show. I was feeling really bad about the show, like I said, and I was wondering if I was even going to continue it or not. And then, yeah, it was more than Donna that just responded. It was like five people from the network that just piled on me all at once. Let me do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And that was that's a that's a that was a pretty good boost to my ego. It's it's amazing when that happens. Now that same thing happened to me, and for the exact same reasons. My co-host is oh, like got busy. He had to quit. I put it out on Facebook. Hey, I'm looking for help. And the the Fish Nerds fans came through. A bunch of people who have already been really close to the show got together. We formed the Secret Society of Fish Nerds, and now we've got a private Facebook group with about 16 members who help now make my show happen. Uh, and it is what it is because of those people. Um, and they produce now, I have segment producers now who just like make me eight minute segments. And I just plug them into the show, which for me is, you know, for an hour long show, it's nice to have a little eight minute piece to stick in there. And, and every sure. week or every other week, a new kind of new concept comes forward. And I say yes to almost everything because the show is evolving right now. And I, I like the way the direction of the show is going in. And, I, and the more diverse feedback we're getting, the better. And it's totally good. We're starting to go into more conservation minded mode. Um, we nice. were for a while hardcore fishing, and now we're kind of pushing into the conservation world, which I really, um, I want to be more in that world. Uh, it's a little, little, a little nerdier and a little more, um, a little more fun for me. So, That's what I like about your show is when I started listening, you were starting, I guess, starting to get into the whole conservation thing. And your show isn't just about what spinnerbait is the best bait to use or where to catch fish. It's about conservation and hunting and just being responsible when you're, you know, in the outdoors doing anything, just kind of, uh, you know, giving back to nature before you take from it. And I really, I really like that about your podcast. Yeah. Well, thanks. And mostly by when we, we want to have fun, that's <laughs> mostly the goal is to laugh. A oh, lot. it is and, fun. And, and so we don't want to do a how to fish show. Those shows exist and they do a better job than I can do. Now we do now have a new fly fishing segment, which I'm learning to fly fish. So that's coming up. Um, but it's not going to be just that one thing. And so what I've been doing is cycling through co-hosts every week. I've had a different co-host every single week since Dave quit the show. Uh, and it's been a remarkable different show than since he left. And I actually killed him in the last episode he was on. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> and I played the, well, beep, the beep, beep, beep at the end of the show. And that was it. I love to so, listen to that. Yeah. Um, I started listening to the last episode you did before we started recording this one and I got distracted, but I want to go back to it because I sort of feel like I want to vicariously fish. Mm -hmm. um, I was fishing with my family a lot when I was growing up. My father's from Montana. Um, Montana, yeah. Yeah, he's from Whitefish, Montana. And uh, he's from he used Whitefish, to. Montana. Isn't that funny? That's yeah. The he uh, took us fishing a lot when we were children. It was one of the most common things for us to do. We um, we didn't camp so much, but we'd go fishing a lot. Um, now, did you fish um, for sustenance? Did you eat the fish or fish for photos? Or what was the we goal? We ate all the fish. Wow. We always went just for eating. Um, the We would go to this lake called, I think it's called Beaver Lake in mm -hmm. Montana. And uh, huge family vacation, big family gathering. And the children would fish for sunfish. Mm -hmm. 
um, in the shallows, and then our parents would uh, fry them up for us, and so we'd eat those. Delicious. There's not a lot of meat on those guys, but they're nope. really good. They're yum. And, um, and then we had trout and, um, oh gosh, what else? Trying to remember what fish it was. Oh, pike. We had a lot of pike. I, I have a very clear and frustrating memory of being about 10 and fishing off the dock, just sort of randomly, just for my own entertainment. And I had the wrong bait and the wrong kind of hook for a pike, but that's what I got on the end of my, um, on the end of my line. And what I could lesson, see him down there. What lesson and, did you learn there, by the way? Well, I had to bring my needed to bring my tackle box with oh, me no, when no, I. The, the lesson yeah. is fish don't care. Like don't matter. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. The, but the I couldn't pull him in we, because he kept biting my line. You yeah, know what I mean? You it, have yeah. to. Yeah. You have to have, for a pike, you have to have, what's the hook called with the long steel, shank on the... Steel leader or... A, yes, yeah. you have to have a steel leader for a pike because you can't use a small hook for them because yeah. they'll bite through the line, and that's what kept happening, and um, nobody would come and help me. I was just like, help, because <laughs> I didn't have the right kind of hook because I was didn't have my tackle box with me. Oh, so <laughs> I just kind of picked up my pole and went out there, doop de doo so... He was the one that got away, oh, that but I was only happens. ten, so it probably wasn't a super awesome, cool fish either. But it's just just a vivid memory. It's so. cooler that you were ten. When you're ten, <laughs> fish are remarkably amazing things. And um, so I always like when, when people ask me why do I love fish so much, and the, the reason I love fish is they're not biologically special. You know what that means? So no. like So if you're looking at a reptile, for example, tell me what makes reptile reptile. What's what's special about reptiles? You know, they have got backbones, right? They're mm-hmm. cold blooded, poik- right? Poikilothermic, yeah. Yeah, their their babies look just like they do. They've got mm-hmm. claws. They've got scales. Um, you have all these things. You know that makes it a reptile. When you do amphibians or mammals, you know if you have these six things, you can say all mammals have these things in common. But name me two things that all fish have in common besides where they live. Gills. Gills. No, not all fish have gills, right? Really? So, oh, yeah, that's I didn't know that. Yeah, not not a thing. So give me, well, I, try again. I can't even, th- scales. Nope. No, catfish don't have scales. Lots of fish don't have scales. Ah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. There's nothing. It's like you want to say, oh, they lay eggs. Nope. Some fish have live birth. Doesn't work. You so how, they de- how do they decide to put them in the fish category? Where then? else are you going to put them? They all fit <laughs> you make a new category. That's usually yeah. what they do. <laughs> yeah. no, but, but so what I really like is, when, if you look at like from an evolutionary standpoint, is yeah. everything is in a fish. You want a fish with warm blood? We can find one. You want a fish that's cold-blooded? Most of them are cold-blooded. You want a fish that has bones? Yep. You want a fish with no bones? Yep, we got those too. You want a fish mm-hmm. with scales? Yes. You want a fish with slime and skin and taste buds all over its outside of its body? We got those. You want fish that oh, have that's bones? Wild. We got those. You want fish that can live out of the water? We have those too. So they like there's nothing special about each. Like you can't pin them down. And oh, they, they they're just really interesting to study. Then yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah. Except for I've never seen one with fur, so I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they probably don't really need it. But uh, no the plan for li- the plan for life is sort of. Especially when you get in the water, it can just get extremely crazy. Like, they're just... So I'm not surprised at all. No, and they adapt so well. That's really cool. They're so cool. For me, that's what fish are. It's like that animal that's 
not special, and that's what makes it special. It, that's it why I like added. sharks, because sharks are like, well, we've been around for 40 million years, and the only thing that we changed, really, was to get a little smaller. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, the rest of it just works so well, it does not matter. Well, so. it's funny, because so tonight we're doing a varmint speed round. Because um, I, I love your show and your format and all that, and I, I kind of want to rip you off a little bit, so I'm going to okay. do it with sure. you, and that way I don't feel We're like rip That's fine. Um, yeah. And and by the way, I, I honestly, to all the fish nerds listeners out there, if you're not already subscribed to the Varmint's podcast um, and you want another really fun show to listen to, that's the next fun show. Um, and it just it, you just pure joy, um, the Varmint's podcast. So make sure you check that out anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, so this is Varmint Speed Round, and we're gonna. We, I chose a fish that I know you're gonna like, Donna, because it is just like your sharks. It's old; it hasn't changed in 64 million years, and the animal is the Petromyzin marinus. Did you Did you read about this fish at all? I did. I, let, I took a little bit of a look around, and they're interesting little guys they're for really sure. Cool. This is the stone sucker of the sea, right? The sea lamprey. I thought that was that's the best thing. Great name. <laughs> Like, Stone sucker. Yeah, they used to give animals names based on like what they're doing, and now they name uh-huh. it after, after people. So it's it's fun to have a fish. So so Petro is stone and Mizen is sucking or sucker. Yeah, or... I don't know. You've, okay. you've already exceeded my knowledge. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. I, I know Paul's looking at the word too because we both like etymology a lot. So yeah, yeah, that, and we know that works for me. We know Marinus is the sea, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'll take your word for it. But well, I don't don't trust me on it. I'm just guessing. So, <laughs> so I am but, not a lamprey expert. Uh, no, neither am I. But I have ha- had experience with lampreys, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, cool. and, and the reason I have experience with lamp with lampreys, I used to work at a fish ladder that allowed lampreys to migrate up the river to their spawning grounds. Oh, cool! And the reason oh, they okay. call them the stone suckers of the sea. Before I get into that, lampreys. Um, a lot of people call them lamprey eels, which is a mistake because they are not even close to being an eel. Do you know what it, the difference between a lamprey and an eel? No idea. No. Okay, the difference. The big difference is first of all, um, I would say biologically they're about as far apart as you can get. Uh, a lamprey has just a cartilage, cartilaginous back um, bone, like a just a, a one cartilage stripped down its back, and that's its only kind of bone in its whole body. And down that, it has, you know, its spinal cord. And other than that, no other bones. And it is a nadrus, which means born in freshwater, lives in the ocean, and comes back to freshwater again. And it has no jaw. Its, its mouth is a big circle full of teeth with a big suction cup mouth. And it's a parasite. It's like a three-foot-long parasite. Right. Now, a, um, an eel is a bony fish, which means it has a backbone, lots of those kind of parts. It's born in the ocean. And then lives in freshwater and returns to the ocean again to spawn. So kind of like the opposite fish. The only similarity is they're long, eel-like fish. So that's the difference between two fish. And it, yeah, and I could definitely recognize mild. an eel if I saw a picture of him. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, Donna, where do you live? I live in Colorado. Colorado. Now, you have uh, freshwater eels in Colorado. But well, all, I didn't know that. All those eels in Colorado were actually born in the ocean. And they migrate all the way to Colorado. Yeah, but we're not talking about eels. That's that's crazy. That's American eels. But the lampreys don't get out where you are. You'll never see a lamprey in Colorado, but you'll see them in all the coastal rivers on the eastern seaboard of the United States, and I think in the Florida? West Florida. Uh, yeah, Florida for sure. Because that's where Paul is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a lamprey down here. Actually, maybe maybe not in Florida, but for sure up in the northeast, but we have them here. 
because this is where my expertise kind of goes funny. And when they migrate, they stack up on the rocks, sucking on the stones. Hence, stone sucker of the sea. They rest by sticking to rocks. Okay. Cool. So I'll go through a little bit of life cycle. They're born in fresh water, and when they're born, they are called amicete. They're just tiny little, you know, larvas of, of lampreys, and they filter feed. So they, they live in the mud, and they spit this bubble of goo up in the air, and it collects little microorganisms, and it sucks it back in its body, and they grow seven to ten years living in the mud. And then they wow. Mi- yeah, I know. And then they migrate to the ocean, where they become parasitic. And in wow. one year's time, they go from being about four inches long to about three feet long, which makes oh them goodness. one of the fastest growing animals on the planet. Wow. And so by parasitic, do you mean that they, they like latch themselves onto the sides of fish? Yeah, they actually they, they stick to the side of the fish with their big sucker mouth. Okay. And their tongue is like a drill bit. And their saliva is an anticoagulant. So it allows bleeding to happen. So they drill a little hole inside the fish. And they drink the juices out of the fish, the blood and whatever goo comes out of the fish. And they usually, in the ocean, they switch from host to host, rarely killing their host. Wow. So we just did an episode on mosquitoes. So lampreys are like the mosquitoes of the ocean. Or wherever they live. Yeah. Mosquitoes of the sea. (laughs) Yeah. And imagine um, a little bit bit more, uh, if you have a lamprey on you, it's probably worse than having a, a, a mosquito on you. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah. But, but they're really cool animals. And, and then they migrate and creep back to fresh water again to spawn. And they'll cross huge dams um, and, and waterways to get to their spawning grounds. And when they spawn, they'll get together in these big groups and they'll pick up rocks with their mouth, suck on those rocks, and they'll make these giant like horseshoe-shaped piles of rocks. And then they'll spawn on the inside of the horseshoe downstream so the water pulls the eggs into, um, into the pile and then they die. And then they die. Yeah, that's die. what I read. They immediately die after spawning. And they actually digest their own uh, innards and organs while they're mig- migrating. So you consume all their body for energy. Oh, my God. Yeah, really. That's cool. crazy. <laughs> and when you see them in the rivers around here, they look like rusty pipes in the water. That's the color. It's like this mottled color. Imagine there's uh-huh. like stacks of three-foot-long iron pipes in the, in the, in the river. So really cool wow. animal, and um, and just we just love them. Now the problem is, is they got into the Great Lakes. We built a bunch of canals and allowed them in to get to Lake Erie and Lake Michigan and all the big lakes out there, where they're problematic. So out there, they will get into the big lakes and they will consume and kill a lot of the game fish that anglers like to catch, the big lake trout and walleyes and other kind of fish like that. And so in the Midwest, people hate them. But in New Hampshire, we're trying to get people to love them because they belong here. They're part of our ecosystem. They've been here for eons, and we need them around because they're the forage for everything else. So they're pretty great. Um, Cool. Yeah. They are really cool looking. I uh, pulled up a bunch of pictures of them, and they they have like a little fishy eye and everything. Yeah. Well, they actually have an eye, like a a sensor on top of their head, (laughs) like a third set, like another sense that we don't know about. So, that's I, cool. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know enough about to talk on that one. So that's what a sea lamprey is. And on your show, you kind of go run through all your. You give your background, and my favorite part of your show is you ask, "Are animals smart?" Yes. Mm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I disagree with you on your rabbit smartness scale. By the way, Paul. Okay. Go. Uh, yeah. Okay. I believe. Yeah, you, I believe you gave rabbits like a five or something. Yes. Or a six, and I just I just completely disagree. 
Do you think they're dumber than that or I, smarter than that? I think they're way dumber. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, way, <laughs> way dumber. My friend, my, my daughter Zoe and I have this conversation on we we just, on a podcast last week. We were talking about animals that taste good, and we decided that animals that are smart taste better than animals that are dumb. And uh, that's an interesting theory. <laughs> that's her, it was her theory. Um, and so, and we didn't discuss rabbits, but um, I believe they're not that smart. I used to have a pet rabbit, and. And I think we said domestic rabbits aren't that bright, but the wild ones are are, are brighter. Oh, so, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the wild ones actually have to like solve problems, where the domestic ones actually have intelligence bred out of them. Uh-huh. They're bred to be dumb. Right now, and I read Watership Down, and that kind of impl- implies the same thing in that book. So, oh, I love that book. We almost talked about that book <laughs> in a, in the uh, pop culture part of that show. I we know, may I have to like do a second rabbits episode uh, next year because there was just so much stuff. Rabbits read. two, electric boogaloo. All right. Yes. So the question is: Are lampreys smart? In your research, did you decide are they smart or not smart? So I wasn't able to find any information in specific about their intelligence. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like there's anybody studying them mm-hmm. for that. Uh, and I wasn't able to see any evidence of, like, novel behaviors of, like, tool using or problem solving. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like the stuff that they do to to just to get back to their spawning grounds is pretty complicated, but that doesn't necessarily indicate a problem-solving intelligence going on. But, yeah, I agree with that. I, I didn't find anything either, and I, I think I try not to mistake innate behavior for intelligence. Like, mm-hmm. climbing up rocks is just what they do, and it's what they would do, and it's not, you know, they're not really solving problems. And I think I gave them, like, a two for intelligence. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're very smart either. I think they're just old. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> they're a really old species, and they're a really neat species. I think they're interesting. I'd never known anything about it until the, the you gave us the assignment to look them up. They were really interesting. Well, but I don't think they can do math. <laughs> no, they're terrible, terrible at math. I've tried that. Now, I've, I've handled, I've actually got to work with lampreys, which is really fun. And there's a... Uh, here's a, here's a really cool thing about sea lampreys. I was talking to um, to a biologist at UNH who studies these things, and she studies them because they can regenerate their spinal cords, but which I think is amazing. And we're looking at them. When I say we, not I don't mean me. I mean scientists are looking at them to see if they can use that technology in humans. But I think it's really cool. Is that lampreys don't like men? Is that did you, did you read that? No, oh, I never I came okay. across that at all. So this, the first time I ever heard this incident happen was there was a worker working at UNH at nighttime, and he was changing a light bulb or something above the sea lamprey tank, and a drop of his sweat dropped into the sea lamprey tank. And in, in men's sweat, we've got a hormone called testosterone, right? And lampreys are very sensitive to testosterone. And apparently, this is, this is the story I heard, all the lampreys jumped out of the tank. So in the middle of the night, this jumped worked out of the tank, out of the water. Just they just wow. panicked and just went crazy and jumped out of the water. So, um, so he had to call up in the middle of the night and get them back in. And then I, and then I, on uh, dirty on the show Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe did some work with sea lampreys, and the same thing happened. He spit in the tank, and all the lampreys jumped out. That is crazy. And then so I was working with lampreys two years ago, and I thought I'm going to do this, and I got a video camera set up, and I spit in the tank. And they didn't do anything, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not manly enough to uh, get them worked up. But <laughs> so anyway, so that's kind of a fun fact. 
there. And so here's the question. Can you eat sea lampreys? I mean, you can eat anything, right? Sure. It's you just, can eat them. They just don't seem super appetizing to me. <laughs> so. see it. What so, about and you, this Paul? seems to be like the 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 running theme since Donna since Donna j joined me is that I think I'm a much more adventurous eater than she is, and mm -hmm. I would certainly try sea lamprey. Yeah, I well, would try them. They just don't they don't seem like food to me. But there you go. <laughs> they they in, now in New Hampshire they're part of our historic culture, and it's said that the Native Americans uh, sustained on sea lampreys for a long time, smoked sea lampreys. And one of the reasons they loved them is they had no bones. So they would be really, really popular food item because the kids could eat them and wouldn't choke on them. Ah. Um, and, and so here's a poem I'm going to read part of from um, Dairyfield, New Hampshire, which is, which is Manchester, New Hampshire. And this is by um, a person named Stark, who's one of the founders of our, of our fair city. Uh, and they loved to stand on the slippery rock, which had stood through time amid the winter's shock. And the foamy waves below to feel with a iron crook for the squirming eel, and to stain their hands on garments o'er with the sticky slime of muddy gore, and they loved to fish though the lively night, and they loved to drink what they loved to fight. And when the Roman consul gave his feast on the rarest kind of bird and beast, twould have seemed to him a scanty meal if he failed to furnish a dainty eel. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically, and they were calling them eels, but they were actually sea lampreys they were talking about in this poem, and it was the most common food in the old time in Manchester, New Hampshire, in Dairyfield, oh, wow. New Hampshire. This is what everybody oh. ate, and they fed them to everyone, okay. so they were a common food, and I've eaten two sea lampreys. How were they prepared? How did you, so the, how did you have the them? The first one I ate, I was working at the fish ladder, and I read about them as a food source, and in lamp in, in lamprey in uh, Portugal, they sell lamprey for about thirteen dollars a pound for live lampreys. They're a delicacy. So I used wow. a Portuguese lamprey recipe called uh, lamprey de arcia or no de lamprey de arroz arroz no arroz de lamprea. I got it. Arroz de lamprea, which is lamprey over rice. And you take the lamprey and you blanch it in a pot, and you string it up. And you wipe the slime off, and then you cut the tail off, and you bleed it into a pot, and you make rice, and you cook the lamprey, and you serve it. And it was um, terrible. It was like it was like eating a nightmare. Just awful. oh no, yeah, just bad. As Aww. I, well, most delicacies are not that great. That's why they're delicacies. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then a few years ago, when I was on the quest to catch all the fish in New Hampshire, I caught a lamprey. And when I say caught, I mean someone gave me one because you can't. They don't eat food. Um, they eat blood, and the fishing game gave me one, and we cooked it like shrimp. We I chopped up in small rings, I I battered it, and I fried it in oil, and it tasted like overcooked shrimp, probably because I cooked it too much. But it was totally good, and I would eat them anytime. Yeah, tastes cool. like tasted just like food. So, so when something doesn't taste good, yeah. the moral of the story is to batter it and fry it and it will drastically improve the flavor. It's a beautiful life we live, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> batter and fry it. All right. How about some lamprey and pop culture? I thought there was a sea lamprey character in SpongeBob SquarePants. For I thought for sure there was a sea lamprey in there. There should have been. But there should have been, but there wasn't. Uh the only time you see sea lampreys in SpongeBob SquarePants was in an episode called The Sewers of Bikini Bottom. <laughs> And in this episode, uh, Squidward and SpongeBob are trying to get 
to Mr. Krabs Safe, which contains the Krabby Patty secret formula. And uh, Squidward pulls them out of the water. He pulls these two lampreys out of the water, and they're attached to his hands. They start to bite his hands, and then they <laughs> latch onto his tea, his uh, his eyeballs. And uh, SpongeBob has to pull them off and throw them back in the water. And that's the only place I found where uh, there were sea lampreys, like in a cartoon or something. And at this point in our podcast, I would par- probably play a little sound clip or something from that. Well, episode. now now I have to do that. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you are you welcome. Yeah. So and I'll, and on our and at fishnerds.com, I'll put a link up to the YouTube video of that cartoon. I missed it again. How about you, Donna? What'd you find? Um, so I didn't look, I wasn't able to find very much, and I just found something like this instant. There's apparently a DC superheroes character called Lamprey, but she seems to have more. Yeah, no, she's in 14 issues, um, and uh, she seems to have eel-like powers. So <laughs> what powers I think I'd rather s- electricity, like electric eels. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah, it is a little weird, and so you should go check that out. But what what came immediately to mind, and it's not directly pop culture, but I mean, I suppose it is sort of indirectly because there's so many things about this person. Um, but Henry the First is mm. said to have died from a surfeit of lampreys. Um, and the evidence for this is pretty strong. It has a supporting primary source uh, by his chronicler. And uh, so what he said was that uh, he'd, he'd eaten a bunch of lampreys and he died a few days later. And the chronicler wrote, This food mortally chilled the old man's blood and caused a sudden and violent illness against which nature struggled and brought on an acute fever, trying to warm the body up which is what they used to think, mm-hmm. in an effort to resist the worst effects of the disease. So it sounds like he probably died, I would guess, of food poisoning. He probably... <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> pro- likely. Pro- seems like a pretty violent attack of some sort of food poisoning, either gone off or he, or he got whatever, whatever's in them. Salmonella, I don't, I have no idea what would be in a... A, a lamprey that could kill you, but uh, no idea. And it's yeah. possible that it was something else, also because of the time. So he could die yeah. from pretty yeah. near anything. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, well, yeah. it could have been anything, right? But it's just whatever. Uh, he's the one who has been rumored to have been died to die from uh, eating too many uh, lampreys, and it actually turns out to be true, mostly. There it is. <laughs> so, so Clay. Mm-hmm. I see in the show notes here that there is a very alarming picture of you Mm -hmm. with a lamprey attached to your forearm just below the elbow. Yeah, I ate that one. So the obvious question, I guess, is did that hurt? No, it did not hurt. And that was probably the 30th time I've had a lamprey stuck to me. Oh, Oh, wow. And the reason I put that up is because my pop culture, Jeremy Wade, who hosts the River Monsters show, uh, described lampreys of attacking people in... um, Lake Champlain. Lampreys simply do not attack humans. And it's really hard to get them to stick to you. <laughs> you have to really work for it, but it makes great photos. It makes You're great not t- their food. So they're yeah. like, 
Okay. Like the lamprey has a box in its head of like, this is food and mm-hmm. this isn't food, just mm-hmm. like me. And you humans are in the not food box. Right. Well, <laughs> but they instinctively will suck on to things. So you can take a lamprey and stick it to your body and it will blow, create a vacuum on its sucker mouth and stick to you. And oh, it will wow. leave a huge hickey. So well, I, I was thinking I that it just had a friend circle. like yeah. Paul, a Paul lamprey that was going, no, eat it. Eat yeah. it. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> I, I had huge bloody hickeys on me, and to get that one shot, which I think is the best photo of a lamprey biting me, um, that day I had to get bit about seven or eight times. Oh, my but gosh. But I've stuck them to my neck. I've had friends put them on their faces. Uh, and every time you end up with a huge, like the mouth is about two and a half inches across. So you end up with this huge circular bloody mess afterwards. You bleed a lot. <laughs> right. Now, the lamprey I had on me was not eating. So it was not drilling holes into me. It was simply creating a vacuum and sucking on. But the saliva being anticoagulant means you bleed more than you normally would. Uh, and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a bloody, bloody mess. Um, but it's so cool. And I ate that one. That's a female. I ate her right after she bit me. So we're even. Or maybe it was <laughs> maybe the one I you won. fried up? Yeah, I fried her up. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, she was big. Yeah, she was fun. Wow. Yeah, but most people in, in this country do not eat sea lampreys, and most people in this country do not know what a sea lamprey is, even though it's a very, very common fish. It sounds like we used to eat them more in the past, or at least they did on the East Coast. But, well, uh, remember, we used to be more. They definitely true, and yeah. we used to eat them a lot more in Europe. Yeah. Now, yeah. I lived in England, and I was never fed a lamprey, and they eat a lot of weird stuff out there, so uh, it must have gone out of fashion, or yeah, but you had fried maybe bread. they're just not as available, <laughs> or I mean, who knows, right? Right, exactly. So that's a sea lamprey, and uh, that was like a, a quick version of what you guys do. I kind of wanted to highlight that. So nice job yeah, on the sea fun. lamprey. Uh, Thank really you. fun fish for you. All they right. Are. Quick promo here. The FN Book Club. Every month we review a book on the Fish Nerds podcast. And this month, April, we're reviewing The Founding Fish. So if you've read the book, call 607-378-FISH and join our conversation. Uh, do that before April 10th. If you haven't read the book, get in on that. The Founding Fish is all about the American shad. And it's totally good and interesting. It's going to make you want to go shad fishing. Have you guys ever seen shad before? No. No? No. Its Latin name means most delicious, Sabatacima. So, Does it live up to its name? Uh, I have eaten them, and they are yummy, but very bony. should say most bony, but it does not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And just to stick with our theme here, how about a little fish in the news? I love fish in the news. I love fish in the news, too. I do, too. And actually, I've, I've used this story before, but I wanted to use it tonight because of our theme. Uh, and this is... From, um, what website is this from? This is from The Seeker, which sounds like a real thing. Lamprey eels fall from the sky over Alaska. Eel-like lamprey fish mysteriously fell from the sky recently in Alaska, and here's why. Did you guys read this? I did read it, yes. It's interesting. It's not letting me look at it. Okay, the Arctic lamprey caught from the Yukon River. All right, several foot-long lampreys have apparently fallen out of the sky recently in Fairbanks, Alaska, They've been found in shopping carts, center parking lots, and out on lawns, and residents are unnerved by the creepy toothed eel-like fish. According to a story in Alaska News Miner, adult Arctic lampreys have fallen from the sky four times this week in Fairbanks, including on the Value Village parking lot. According to Alaska Department of Fish and Game, the unusual this is this is unusual for a fish that's seldom seen in the water up here. Um 
Do you think someone has to say it's unusual for a fish to fall from the sky? Or does everyone kind of <laughs> inherently get that? <laughs> so Maybe weirder things happen in Alaska that we don't know about. I, I, I hope so, because it would make work living up there. Um, <laughs> so it goes on to talk about it could be a prank, it could be a seabird. What do you guys think would cause a fish to fall from the sky? Well, um, birds are, 90% of birds are jerks. Mm -hmm, they are. So um, it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if a bird was just picking up a sea lamprey and, and attempting to drop it on people or, or property. Yeah. Because they're just yeah. vindictive like that, especially seagulls. Oh, the worst. The worst. And he, he... I would assume that it's some sort of weird, like... Like a lamprey tornado. Ooh. Lamp, lamp nado. Lamp nado. <laughs> now that would have to come out before shark nado because they're an older fish, evolutionary yes. speaking. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Like being a lamprey nami. Yeah, lamprey nami. Nami, yeah. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah. So I think the, I think the bird, <laughs> the bird one or or prank one is the best, the best two. But the uh, I love I love the concept of it. It's a scary tornado. <laughs> <laughs> It's raining lampreys, hallelujah, it's raining lampreys. It's, it's a little uh -huh. catchy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm not going to read the whole story. I'll link it up at fishnerds.com. But um, it kind of goes into that area of like talking about how people are freaked out by animals that they don't recognize. And even though the Arctic lampreys live in Fairbanks, Alaska, the people who are finding them have never seen them before. So it really kind of, we're, we're so scared of what we don't know. And I think human instinct is kill things you don't know. Um, but I guess these were already dead because they're sitting in their shopping carts. So uh, if I was a bird, by the way, I also would drop lampreys on people. <laughs> <laughs> so, but going back to your, Paul, your point about birds being jerks. Yes. Uh, my, we have chickens. We keep chickens here. Okay. Um, by the way, did you get a lot of chicken recipes in your uh, contest? We are still accepting chicken recipe I submissions. Should, I should send. I think in. we know what the you winner is going to be, but you should still have time. I, I should send one in, but we keep chickens, and they are jerks. And if we were tiny, they would just kill us. So I think, <laughs> I think humans' best adaptation is our size, <laughs> because birds and other animals would just destroy us so fast if we were. And there's a little. I saw a video of a little boy hugging his chicken, and the chicken's totally into it. She's like, "Oh, I love you." Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. My chickens, they, in the morning, they knock on my door to like, come outside and feed them. <laughs> they, they love us, but I still think they would eat us. Just... Oh, probably, but I don't think that, I don't know. I, that argument doesn't hold, doesn't get a lot of traction from me, because I'm like, yeah, so what? You're not small, yes. so. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a little fish quiz with you guys, because I like to do fish okay. quizzes with, with guests, and since um, you're from Colorado... I'm going to fail all the questions. Well, you're from, you know. you're from Colorado, right? Mm -hmm. So that means you do drugs? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to... Because they're legal there now, right? Aren't they? Uh, so, it's legal to smoke marijuana here, yeah, but that, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean drugs. we all do it. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a, a, a quiz, and you have to tell me which one is the drug. So mm. there'll, be, there'll be two... Two will be fishing lures... Uh, like real names of fishing lures, one will be a slang term for a drug. Not, okay. Not necessarily marijuana. Okay? Okay. All right. So, okay. And you, got guys, it. and you can work together on these. You can collaborate. Okay. All right. Got it. Uh, and there's big prizes here for sure. Okay. Right. So quiz one, uh, question one, uh, curly tail grub, goofballs, or daredevil? Which one's the drugs? And bonus points if you know the real name of the drugs. Hmm. 
I don't know what kind of drug it is, but I'm 99% sure it's goofballs. Because I think I heard it in a Saturday Night Live skit one time. Probably you did. Those are barbiturates. I'll give you that one. All right. Number two. Mogis. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I don't have any bells. Ding, ding. Uh, Mogis, Sluggos, or Swedish Pimples? What? Mogis, wow. Mogis Sluggos, or Swedish Pimples? Um, I'm going to say Swedish Pimples because I just think that's really funny. <laughs> do you, how do you think a Swedish Pimple talks? Bork, 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 One of these is a drug. I think. Wait, what was? What were the other two? It was uh, Mogi's Sluggo or Swedish Pimple? Yeah, I'll go with Swedish Pimple too. Yeah, that's, I think it's probably one of the others. It's definitely one of the others. Yeah, you. Were I would wrong. rather that it was Swedish Pimple because that's funny. So it is funny. Swedish Pimple is actually a very common ice fishing lure, and it is the Mogi's, which are a tranquilizer. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, very okay. popular in the mountains here in New Hampshire. Uh, okay, Senko, Deadly Dick, or de- Red Devils? Senko's, Deadly Dicks, or Red Devils? I think Deadly Dicks is a lure because a lot of companies that make lures like to give those lures kind of naughty names. So they sure um, do. <laughs> I'm going to eliminate that one. That's fair. What were the other two? Uh, Senko or Red Devils? What do you Red Devils sounds like some sort of a pill, but it could also yeah. be a lure. But it does kind of sound like a like a pill. I think you should. It could stick be with like that. a red, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually a barbiturate. Yeah. Ah, okay. Oh, so good job, right. Donna. I just guess. Donna knows her drugs. She is from Colorado. Yeah, no, I I don't. Okay, I don't know my drugs. Coloradoans, <laughs> we uh, barbiturates are not legal here. <laughs> not yet. All right. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, speedball, beetle spin, or rattle trap. Speedball, beetle spin, rattle trap. Oh, it's it's speedball. Speed yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what killed John Belushi. That's right. Yep. Got cocaine and yep. heroin mixture. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, number five. Mm. I know. Poor John. Uh, pencil popper, little Cleo, or zigzag. Hmm. Pencil popper, little Cleo, zigzag. Zigzag gonna, probably is how a lure actually moves in the water, so I would, I would guess that's a lure, wouldn't you? Or do yeah. You think? What was the first one? Pencil popper, little Cleo, or zigzag? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, little Cleo isn't weird enough to be a drug, <laughs> I think. But it, maybe it's just normal enough to be a drug. I was going to say true. little Cleo. Okay, we'll go with your guess. I is, guess. Is, it is not. And it's in fairness, um, I, I, I zigzag, and zigzag's not truly a drug. It's rolling papers for drugs. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> You're so sneaky. <laughs> That's on me. All right, one, <laughs> one more, and this is for the game point. Uh, and uh, you should know this if you're from Florida. You should know this one for sure. Uh, rooster tails, spin or reno or dolphins? I don't know that one. What part of Florida <laughs> are you from? Southwest Florida. Southwest. Name a town in Southwest Florida. Naples, Fort okay. Myers. Okay. Right in between there. Yeah. All right. You should know this one. Rooster tail, spin oreno, or dolphins? Oh. I'm going to guess dolphins? that rooster tail is a type of marijuana. <laughs> I'm going to say dolphins. You don't agree on this one. All right, so we're split on this one. Rooster tail versus dolphins is definitely not rooster tails. It is dolphins. 
right. is a name for Ooh. ecstasy, as you know, Paul. So good job, you guys. Nice job. <laughs> as he <drugs>. knows. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> we're neither of us are that cool. So uh, well, you know. well, nope. Well, the good news. Is, the good news is we're almost done. You did a great job. I'll give you both a prize for that one. So, Yay! What do we get? Right. A new you car? Get, you get to come on the Fish Nerds podcast and plug your Yay! stuff. So, <laughs> speaking of plugging, what a great price. Speaking of plugging stuff, I got I got to do a quick promo here for um for for the Mystery Tackle Box, which is our sponsor this month. Mystery Tackle mm-hmm. Box is a monthly subscription tackle box where you every month you get a new box in the mail, and it says hashtag Happy Dance on it, and in there is a bunch of fishing lures, and we don't know what you're gonna get until you get them. If you go to mysterytacklebox.com and enter promo code FishNerds, all one word, you save five bucks off your first box and it's a um it's an affiliate so that means i don't get paid unless people buy it so if you want to support the fish nerds um buy this and you can cancel any time and um so do it <laughs> so that's that's our <laughs> promo <laughs> and next segment up we have speak up for the f in blue andrew lewin from the, the host of the speak up for the blue podcast joins us to talk about conservation news uh, in our new segment, Speak Up for the F in Blue. Welcome to the Speak Up for F in Blue Ocean News Update. I am uh, your host for this segment, Andrew Lewin. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you, Clay, for allowing me to uh, tell your audience and give them updates on what's happening with the ocean. I'm going to make this one quicker than last time. Uh, there are two stories that I want to cover. The first one is Rob Stewart, famous scuba diver, famous filmmaker, the documentary Shark Water. Uh, he passed away back in January of an unfortunate accident scuba diving, and his family is suing the person who certified him right before he went out and did the scuba diving. We're going to give you all the updates on that uh, and what happened and why they're suing and what you think about that. Uh, as well, uh, the other story is uh, there is an Arctic researcher who did a great uh, post in The Guardian uh, put up a uh, put up an article and said, "Hey, why why is the government, the U.S. government, taking down all the Arctic data and all the Arctic links to planning and, and processing and how we manage, how we're supposed to manage the Arctic from their websites? What's going on with this? We've never seen this before. This needs to stop. So we're going to talk about that as well. So first story, uh, and, and by the way, thank you very much. I am a host of the Speak Up for Blue podcast. So if you ever have a chance, uh, head on over there. But after you listen to Fish News, of course. Um, but uh, this, the first story we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, Rob Stewart. Tragedy hit uh, the, the Stewart family in January. Uh, Rob Stewart passed away in a scuba diving accident. Uh, Rob was filming for his next installment of Shark Water. Now, of course, a lot of you may uh, remember Rob or may not from his famous movie, famous documentary that he made, an independent documentary about sharks. And essentially what he did is he put shark finning in the public eye. Uh, not a lot of people had known about shark finning. Of course, researchers had, uh, conservationists had, a lot of fishermen might have, um, but it wasn't really wide, worldwide, world widely known uh, at this point. So shark water really put in the map. That was released back in 2006, I believe, 2007. Um, got some awards and whatnot. This was he was filming for his second 
installment of shark water. Kind of to give give us an update on what's happening with sharks, what's happening with finning, and so forth. It was it looked to be like like it was going to be a really good a good film, which I believe it's still going to be released. However, uh, when he was filming for this, he needed to go to pretty deep depths uh, for this one particular dive in the Keys and uh, the Florida Keys, and uh, he so he had to use a rebreather to go down. The depths were about three hundred feet, if I remember correctly. The story happened back in January. Anyway, he went down. He got certified the week before he did this uh, this dive. Got certified uh, in re in a rebreather using a rebreather, so it's different than your regular scuba tank. Uh, and it required it sort of a different method of, of scuba diving. I'm not going to go into the details. Anyway, usually um, after you do this, there's certification. You're certified, but usually what happens is divers will do no more than two dives a day. They decided on this day, his instructor who, who certified him went out with him as his dive buddy. They decided to do three dives. The third dive was to unhook a hook that they had on the ship that they were diving on. And, um, and unfortunately, that's where the action occurred. On the way back up, something happened with both divers. When they got to the surface, the instructor that was, di- that was uh, Rob's dive buddy sank back down. Uh, there's no, I guess, life jacket on a rebreather. And started to sink back down to the water. The people on the boat that were looking after them went in to, to get the, the diver, brought the diver back on board. When they turned to get Rob, Rob was gone. They both blacked out at the top. Uh, the family is suing uh, in a wrongful death suit, I guess, uh, this, the, the instructor and his company, which has gone bankrupt under what I've researched. Uh, they're suing him because they said he should have known better to do three dives. Accidents happen. And what they wanted to do is apparently this happens more than we think. So they wanted to make sure that they uh that that this won't happen again so they're suing the diver the the sort of the certifier the the instructor and uh and i want to know what you guys think do you think this is something that that uh should have should have happened do you think the i mean in the lawsuit do you think the family should be suing in my opinion i think they should i think uh this this like as i did more and more research this happens quite often people yes they should have known not to go more than two dives and Rob should have known that as well. He shouldn't have taken that chance, and he did take that chance, and it, unfortunately it cost him his life. Uh, the instructor should know this for sure. He should know the industry. He was certif- He was specialized in rebreathers, and he should have known, like, hey, you know what? Yeah, if you want to go, you, you know, I'm not going with you. I'm not letting you go. Um, so I think a lawsuit might be in, in, in play here, but of course I don't know all the details that happened that day. Um, there was a big search for Rob. It was, it took a week to find him and they eventually found him 200 uh, feet down and uh, about 300 feet away from where the boat was originally located. It's tragedy. It sucks. It's a big hit for the conservation industry. Um, and it's just, uh, it's not fair. It's, it's, we lost a, we lost a big, uh, a big ocean conservation celebrity that does, that did a lot of work uh, in awareness. Um, and he did a lot of work in other, other places too. So, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I think this lawsuit hopefully will, will stop these types of accidents. I guess that's why we have lawsuits. Um, anyway, let's move on to the next story. There was an Arctic, Arctic researcher named Victoria, once I get it here, Victoria Herman. Uh, she's an Arctic researcher, and she's pissed, guys. She's pissed at Donald Trump and his administration for deleting uh, their, uh, all the links that they have uh, for the, the Arctic. 
uh, their Arctic research. So Victoria is saying that major documents, links to documents uh, that are that we're talking about management, planning of the Arctic, um, future of oil and gas in the Arctic, and so forth, and of course anything climate change related, has been taken down off websites. Along with that, there have been huge databases that have been taken off, um, which allows access. The one good thing about the U.S. in terms of scientific research for me as a researcher was that in the past they've always provided data and maps for free online. That doesn't look like that's happening anymore. As uh, Victoria was saying that all those databases, those links to the databases have disappeared quickly within the first few months of this administration. I'm not knocking on the administration because it's Donald Trump. I'm knocking on it because it's taking away uh, freedom to information. It's taking away information that will help other researchers, not just government researchers, but other researchers and, and nonprofit organizations help help the government manage the oceans, help them manage the Arctic, especially the Arctic, which is going through um, some extreme temperatures uh, these, these years, and we're losing a lot of Arctic sea ice. So, you know she's she's pissed, and and, and I, I don't blame her. Um, you know this is very uh, loosely, well, very close to what happened with the Harper government here in Canada, where I'm from, a few years ago, where the Harper government got rid of all the old data that we had on hard copies. They got rid of them because they closed down a bunch. I think it was 29 libraries in total, and what they couldn't archive on through scanning, they actually burnt them and they destroyed them. Uh, not necessarily burning them, but they destroyed them. Uh, and, and we lost a lot of data, like hundreds of years of data and millions of dollars worth of data, uh, which is, is a shame because how can you go back and, and how can you understand how changes are happening now if you can't go back and understand what the world was like and what your country was like back then? So it's really disappointing to see that. want to make you guys aware of that because – this shouldn't be happening. And and you guys, if you're in the U.S. Uh, or in any country where they're doing this, you should have outlets where you can voice your opinions, uh, contact your local representatives, your state representatives, uh, your senators, your your congresspeople, uh, whoever that represents your area, your voting district. Uh, contact them and say you don't like this. You want it to change. And the more people who speak up, the better it is. Uh, that's it. That's all I have for today. Just wanted to keep you updated on those two uh, those two articles. I thought that was interesting. Uh, so thank you very much. I'm going to turn it back to Clay. Clay, thank you very much for allowing me to do this. I'm Andrew Lewin, the host of the Speak Up for Blue podcast and the host of this Speak Up for the F and Blue uh, segment here on Fish Nerds. Have a great day. Happy conservation. Okay. And hey, that was great. Did you guys like that Andrew Lewin guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Fantastic. He good sounds, stuff. sounds handsome, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've actually never so. met him in real life. I don't know what he looks like. He's Canadian, though, so there's that. Well, he has to be handsome then, because Cana- be. Canadians are beautiful people. Or at least polite, <laughs> which, which is halfway to handsome anyway. If you're measuring on that Richter scale of handsome, if you're polite, <laughs> you're, halfway, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. Yep, yeah, it's true. That's been my claim to fame. I'm, I'm halfway handsome. So... <laughs> <laughs> so good. I right, say, hey, guess what? We're all out of time. That was so much fun, Clay. It Thank you so much for fun. having us We've on. Done a whole show. Um, and one more time, where can people find the varmints? Varmints is on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Our show notes are at w. Uh, I won't say www because I sound like an old it. man when I say that. Three times. Our, our show notes are at blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmints. You can get all our show notes there and all our episodes. And uh, we put out a new podcast every Thursday morning at 9 o'clock Eastern. 
and I look forward to it every single week. I get excited about it. So it's, it's, it's one of my weekly now so that's it you've listened to a few nerds when you should have been fishing we'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast go on fishing quests and do all sorts of silly things that nerds do if you would like to support fish nerds you can go to patreon.com and search for fish nerds and help us crowdfund this podcast special thanks to Paul and Donna from the Varmints podcast find them anywhere you find Varmints <laughs> and until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd. Spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. Swim against the current every chance you get. And be nice to animals. Oh, I like yes. that. Be nice to fish. <laughs> Perfect. Nice job, guys.